what ended up happening was my biggest naysayer became myself. And eventually when you're fighting your own voice to tell yourself that you can't do something or like you're going to fail, the fear of failure just becomes like this crippling thing. That is Kai Fox. I am a aspiring comedian and human being. And this is Tiny Conversations. I'm Brian Colley. About four years ago, Kai was about to take the stage at a charity comedy show with some of his biggest idols. Kai was a young comedian. He still is. And he thought this was his big break. And then he bombed. Kai went off book. He delivered an impromptu set riddled with awkwardness and guilty confessions. And then the worst thing that can happen to a comedian happened. No one laughed. It was so bad that Kai quit comedy for over two years. But now he's back has a successful show at Toronto's Comedy Bar, and is touring the country. I sat down with Kai to talk about what happened that night, why he came back to comedy, and how he faces some of his biggest naysayers. What we were hitting on before, and was, I think, really interesting, the idea of choosing a craft, struggling at that craft, and then dealing with all the different naysayers, especially people who are really close in your life. Um, So pursuing stand-up comedy was kind of a new thing for me. So a while back, I uh, was into like doing sketch and stuff. So I actually tried doing stand-up probably about four years ago. And um, I got on this show that was really high profile. So a lot of comedians that I looked up to were on it. Uh, It was a fundraiser for a group called Chocolate Box, which raises money for uh, to build schools in Nicaragua. And it was myself, Mark Little, Chris Locke, Steph Callender, Sarah Hennessy. These guys are all if you look them up today, they're all just like killing it in the scene. They're like 10, 15 years into this show. And I was like probably like six months in. So um Needless to say, their material resonated a little more than mine. I think my friend has the set recorded, and he says it's the darkest thing he's ever seen, because I just sort of was in a weird headspace because I was so nervous. So I just kind of ripped into myself for like six minutes and then just walked off. It was weird. It was a weird night. What did the crowd do? Oh, they didn't laugh. That's what crowds usually do when something's not funny. (laughs) Um it was it was such a weird uh is a weird scene because uh the biggest thing for me is that like i had uh there was a girl that i was supposed to go on a date with and i totally forgot to like talk to her so it was the thing where i like had kind of blown her off um unintentionally but then i saw her and she sat at the very front of the show with her arms crossed so it just like really like w- it was a huge distraction for me. So I was like, ah, geez, this is terrible. And like, I feel like she got her just desserts because she watched me just like die on a stage. So like everything's cool now and we're fine with each other now. But in that moment in time, I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Like, I'm not a good person. Like, I should not be on this stage. And like all those things were just resonating in the back of my head. And so it just really turned, I just riffed on just like how terrible of a person I am. 
and like everybody was like why is this man like just so down on himself and uh yeah i've learned not to do that as much why did why did you why do you think you chose to go off book so I, I I guess I grew up in a very religious home. Guilt was a big thing. So I always felt really guilty about stuff that I would do. I still like, I fight that a little bit nowadays, but I'm a lot better with it. But like back then I was like, oh shoot, like I am not worthy of like other people's love. I'm not worthy of myself. And so when you have this like deity that's like, hey, you're a terrible human being, but you know, there's this thing that's still out there that loves you, no matter like what kind of a group you are that like hits people really well. That's, I think that's why a lot of people go to religion because they feel like there's screw ups and stuff, but there's something out there that still loves us despite who we are. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing about religion. It helps us connect. It creates community. But for me now it's like, Oh no, no thanks. This is not where I want to be right now. I don't want to feel bad for being a person going up there onto that stage and seeing her was like, oh, you've like, this person had this great anticipation and because you're not an organized person or like you forgot this thing, you know, you really hurt this person's feelings. And like, she might not have been that hurt, but in my mind, I had done the worst thing in life by not um, acknowledging her affection. So... That to me made me feel so terrible that I was like, listen, if she's going to stand up up front, I'm going to share this with the other 60 people that are in this room. Uh, It was a poor decision and I just bombed. I bombed so badly. And that was like this wake up call to be like, oh, if you want to do this, you got to put in the work. And I wasn't ready to do the work back then. It's just a weird, uh, see the guilt kicks in again. (laughs) And so what ended up happening was my biggest naysayer became myself. And eventually when you're fighting your own voice to tell yourself that you can't do something or like you're going to fail, the fear of failure just becomes like this crippling thing. What was it like stepping away from comedy? Uh, It felt like a defeat in a certain sense, where it's like, okay, maybe I wasn't cut out for this. And when you tell yourself that you're not cut out for it, and then you make that admission, I mean, I didn't find it liberating at all. I was just like, okay, this is the, this is the level that I'm at. I peaked at this point let's just settle for something else and you just you just try to distract yourself with other things so i was just finishing school i was trying to like work in the film industry so i was working on like i think i worked on like big brother i worked on this like reality show that was called be the boss it was like a spin-off of undercover boss Um, so I got those jobs and I was like, okay, this is reality. This is a comedy. This is just like something. But every now and again, people will come up to me and be like, Hey, could you like be a part of this? Like, we still think you're funny. It's like, okay, cool. Um, but I was like, that's not me anymore. Like, I guess I just tried to like redefine myself to be like, okay, don't bring up comedy in your life anymore because like, you're only going to set yourself down this like bad path. And I think when you 
give yourself that lie so much that it just becomes a truth to you. So that's pretty much what happened. And then eventually I was like at work sitting down being like, man, something's missing. Something isn't, um, isn't resonating with me. I don't feel fulfilled. Um, and I thought to myself that I was like, Oh, I remember the things I did enjoy about comedy, like connecting with an audience or, you know, when a show goes well, it's such a rejuvenating feeling and I wanted that back. So eventually I just kind of looked at myself and I was like, well, if this uh, fear of failure is crippling you so much, um, you know, that this is something that you, this is something that you have to fight. And I basically fought it by just going full fledged, like right into the fire. So I think me as a person, if I'm doing something, I'll probably go all in on most things. So going in on that kind of helped me to, you know, be something better than I am. And I think that's kind of what we do as humans is like, that's how we grow. We try to do something that, you know, pushes our limits and we see our limits. We should, we should, we don't have to. I mean, I just want to make people laugh. It gives me a fulfillment to make a person smile, to like, you know, maybe not make a person's day, but like getting a chuckle out of a person is a great feeling. And I think it's, I think you get endorphins off of it. Like that's my drug sometimes. That's the big thing for me is just, you know, pushing past who I am and seeing if I can grow. And that means pushing limits. That means late nights, early mornings, just like finding a way to make it work. And that's what I do. If you want to check out some of Kai's comedy shows, you can get updates from him on Twitter at the fake Kai Fox. That's the fake K-Y-E-F-O-X. I'll post a link to his Twitter account and also a video of Kai's stand-up on this show's website, tinyconversations.com. While there, you can also listen to my and Kai's full, unedited conversation. It's just under half hour long, and you'll hear us discuss more about stand-up, moving past fear, and what Kai's very religious parents think about his stand-up routine. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, I recommend subscribing. You'll get new episodes automatically delivered to your phone or wherever you listen, and it will help me combat my inner thoughts of doubt and failure. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and a whole bunch of other places. If you really like this episode, I would love it if you shared it with someone else. I'm sure there's someone you know who would benefit from Kai's story. I know I did. And sharing it will add a nice boost of good karma to your day. Okay, that's it for me. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. I'm Brian Colley. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>